0: Which is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.cornerstone.org or by subscribing to
1: our podcast.
0: You can have a seat. Well, good morning. I guess, uh, in case you're not aware, uh, you may be noticing that uh, Daryl ain't here.
1: Who knows what kind of crazy things we may do this morning. Alrighty. Can you guys hear me okay? Good. Alright.
0: feel like Garth Brooks with this thing on, you know? Alright. Anyway, this morning... Um, I know most of you, other than uh, what we're doing up here uh, with our worship time, I know most of you have never um, heard me speak. That may be a blessing. Uh, but most of you, I know, have have not heard me uh, do any speaking. You've heard me do a lot of talking, but uh, not a lot of speaking. Anyway, this morning, um, Daryl had asked me to come and... Uh, Uh, share my share my testimony with you and um, not that it's uh, all that elaborate not that it's all
1: that uh, you know high drama interesting but
0: um, we were really thinking you know wow Ricky you've been here going on three years doing this and um there's a lot of people that really don't know a whole lot about you. You know, if we're gonna be doing what we're doing, um, we should be open with, with one another. We should embrace one another as brothers and sisters. And um so anyway today we just wanted to um share a little bit of that with you
1: and I don't know, maybe find some common ground
0: between all of us, whether we're brothers and sisters in Christ or not. And uh, maybe that common ground is a place where we can we can come together and find Jesus and worship and serve him uh, as people of God. Sorry. So anyway, having said that, let's... Um, Want to show you something here real quick. Can you guys put this first picture up there on the screen? Yeah. Awesome. This is perfect. It's a perfect picture, Kristen. <clears throat> when I was growing up I wanted to tell you when I was growing up, um my grandfather owned a um a used car lot and um among other things. And so we dealt with a lot of used cars, we dealt with a lot of repossessions, stuff like that. So we were always having to go pick a car up for one reason or another, from someone. And um, this was, this picture, this is pretty good representation of what we went to pick cars up in when I was a kid. Um, Usually I'm riding with somebody, or at about 10, Papa starts giving us the keys to go, which, you know, is a different time. but Anyway. This is pretty good representation right there. The one thing that I remember about our wrecker our before we stepped up to the rollback um, is we had something like this, and the, the cool thing about it was it had its own toolbox. And, and I don't mean like a toolbox in the back to work on other cars when you got there. It had its own toolbox because you had to work on it before you went anywhere in it. And that's just the way it was. We didn't think about it being any different. That's just the way it was. Anyway, I got to thinking about all of this and thought, you know, um, I have to say, I think I'm kind of like this wrecker when it, when it comes to God and the way he's looking at me. I know I can almost picture God coming, coming ready for me to do something ready to show me his will, you know. Here he comes, carrying his Ricky toolbox with him because he knows I ain't going to start. He knows I'm not going to work. He knows he's got to fix me before he can do anything with me. Every time he comes. And we were talking about something like this this morning. wonder if God ever gets tired, and he's like, Ricky, I'm sick and tired of having to whatever. He's not like that, though. Thank goodness, right? Anyway, so I wanted to uh, give you um, kind of a little uh, background of kind of where we've come from and stuff like that. Uh, but at the same time, wanted to kind of tell you a story of uh, a life in repair in two parts, right? you got part one already now, right? I am... I am this. I am a first-class textbook example
1: of a failure in so many ways. That's part one. Part two's coming. Right. Let's pray. Lord, we come today. We come
0: with our hearts open with our our minds open this morning and we pray for the power of your holy spirit
1: to move in this place to move in us lord lord i pray for
0: myself i pray that you'll use my inefficiencies lord i pray that you'll use me in whatever kind of disjointed way I may have to speak.
1: Use me, Lord. Obvious that I'm not gifted as a speaker. Let it be so. Let it be so. So that you get the glory,
0: Lord. Use my inability this morning. Reach to the hearts of everyone that's here today and use whatever I may have to say in just the way that you need it to be done, Father, so that you touch this person or that person with exactly what you're needing to do. Father, let that be. Let your will be done this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, where do we begin, right? Uh, I'm not going to give you uh, the Ricky biography, right? Um, But there is a lot. I I guess I would say uh, a lot of you, wow, I'm ringing here, aren't I? A lot of you know me, uh, but you don't know much about me. Not really. It's not that we're that private. We're not like recluses. We We just don't get into our history very much. But I would say we have a history some cases, a colorful history. Um, For me, it started out pretty calm, you know. Most of you know me as a musician. I I like to play. I like to sing. I like to write songs and stuff like that. You know a little bit about my past, but that's really how I grew up. It started out pretty simply, pretty easily. And um, I grew up, I was raised by my grandparents uh, up until I was probably about six years old. And it's a very musical home. Um, We didn't have a lot. My grandparents didn't have much more than a black and white TV. But they had a green Broadman hymnal, and that's what we sat around the kitchen table with daily. I mean, that's what we did. We sat around singing hymns out of that old hymn book. And that was my first memories, you know, Doing musical things, we went to Cabin Creek Baptist Church every week, every Sunday. You didn't miss for any reason, and uh, I can remember being up and doing, uh, doing the music there, and uh, that was kind of my first experience singing, you know, up in front of anybody. Singing, the rest of the kids had stopped. I was still going. Uh, one Sunday, didn't even realize they had stopped singing. Uh, my grandparents were real proud. Uh, But by the time my mom comes back into the picture, this is my mom and my dad, my stepdad. um, This is me and my mom. So by the time my mom comes back into the picture, she's on her third marriage. Marries my stepdad, uh, Ronnie G. And... I didn't realize uh, at the time what a good man he was. Of course, we never do when we're growing up, right? Now he's gone. Uh, him and Mom both passed on. And um, passed on too early, and now I'm, I'm just old enough where I'm getting it. You know, I realize he, he did the best he could. He adopted me, gave me his name. So for years growing up, my name was Ricky G. Everybody that went to school with me still, and they see me in town, Ricky G, hey, what's up, Ricky G? So I'm still Ricky G to almost everybody um, till uh, I became an adult and for a whole lot of reasons
1: went back to um, my birth name, which is Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, it's a whole other story. Anyway. <clears throat> Grew up with my
0: mom, though, um, in a musical, in another musical home there in a different way. Um, at Granny and Granddaddy's, we we sang out of the, the hymn book all the time. Growing up with Mama, um, it was all Beatles, Elvis, the Monkees, Ricky Nelson. She was fanatical, crazy about Ricky Nelson. I was named Ricky, um, and that's how I grew up from that point on. I grew up um, listening to those records Mama had, a gigantic 45 collection, and we didn't listen to the radio much, didn't have any new music, we didn't have things like MTV and stuff like that, so I grew up with Mama's records, and that was my, those were my favorite songs growing up. Finally, um, I guess probably about nine or so, um, my uncle gave me this old sorry guitar, and uh, I started trying to learn to play guitar, took lessons from Pete Doster over here in Jefferson. I don't know if you know Pete, but he's taught hundreds of us how to play, and uh, still saw him, what, last year in the grocery store. Hadn't seen him in 30 years. He still recognized me. It was amazing. Good man. Good man. Anyway, went there, taking lessons from Mr. Doster, learning how to play, <clears throat> and got just good enough on it to really start learning, and then, of course, quit, of course. Um, we were going to Faith Baptist Church over in Jefferson. I don't know if you know Brother Mitten, uh, Gerald Mitten, hello, friend, that's his, that's his line. You see Brother Mitten every, yeah, that's his thing, hello, friend, hello, friend. And uh, so we were going there to a Faith Baptist Church, and we'd been going for a little while. <clears throat> I still remember being, being little and sitting out there, and um, it wasn't that I felt like called to preach or anything. We're sitting out there, and we're listening to Brother Mitten, and he's doing his thing. And this, is how, this was my first uh, memories of a preacher. You know? And so I thought, this is how it's done. This is how you do it right here. So Brother Mitten was not Daryl. He was, you know, taking it out on the pulpit, and uh, and I, I can remember my mom walking in on me one time, and I'm little, and I'm sitting there, and I've got my Bible, and it's something like John three sixteen, you know, and I was just doing what I thought you were supposed to do as a preacher, and so and so I'm like, for God, God. God loved, you know, and and you're emphasizing each one of those words. Go back to them two or three times, and that's how I thought you preached. I didn't know you had like three points in your sermon and stuff like that. I just thought you got up there and wailed on a verse for a while, then sang Amazing Grace for like 15 minutes after that, or, or just as I am, you know, something like that. But we're going there. Little did I know, Mom had been, I guess, struggling in her heart. She'd been Uh, having some questions, apparently been talking to Brother Mitten, and she decided one Sunday morning, I don't know why they didn't tell me about it, but she decided she was going to get saved. So they're singing just as I am, and we're standing there, and she's squeezing my hand like crazy, you know, and she said she wanted to go down, but she was scared. So, me and my mom were, we were like this, so What did I do? I'm nine, right? I go with her. So we go down together. I don't know what I was doing. But we went down together anyway. Got baptized together that day. Um, Looking back, even though I I didn't know what I was doing, it's still one of the most vivid memories uh, I'll ever have. Being baptized with my mom. Very cool.
1: Anyway, we do
0: all that. A um, few years later, start going to uh, over to Galilee Christian Church when I was probably about 13. And uh, we go over there, and they have a, a huge youth program. Rick Hugsford was my youth minister over there. Rick lives in Jacksonville. And now he's pastoring some huge church down there or something which doesn't surprise me at all. Very charismatic guy, and um, Rick was my first, um, my first real, godly influence inside the church. He compelled me, he challenged me, he gave me my first record. It was a Sandy Patty record, and um, he was supportive. He loved music too. Sang special songs all the time, and um, anyway, Rick was—he um, <clears throat> was my role model in a lot of ways for a, a lot of years. Taught me to go to Christian service camp, to church camp over the summer, something I'd never done before. So I'd go up to Clarksville, up to the service camp up there, and stay for a week. Amazing! I've never been to anything like that ever. Ever go up there, and I don't know if you guys have memories of going to church camp. If your kids want to go, it's it's an it was an experience for me that changed me forever. Being immersed in God for the week, and you know we you know we we said we were up on the mountain there in Clarksville. We're like we felt like Moses. Coming down from the mountain, when we left because we're like, oof, we're on fire, boy! We're ready to take the word of God to the world." It was a, it was a great experience. Go up there, get immersed in that year after year after year, and um, it made me hungry for God. Made me hungry for Him. Made me want to seek Him. Made me start singing in church a lot. and doing a lot of uh, what I'm doing now. And everyone just started assuming then that um, that I was going into the ministry or some form of the ministry, music ministry, youth ministry, something like that. Um, that wasn't exactly in my plans, but that's kind of what everybody was thinking. It wasn't too much longer after all that, but it's, uh, I was about 16 years old, and... Um, Finally got into current rock and roll. Eventually, it's bound to happen, right? So get into it, and I buy my first guitar, my first electric guitar. You know, saved my money, bought it. It was a piece of junk, but had it had me a little bitty amp and had a button that was that's a crunch button for when you wanted to play like you know Van Halen or something without really being very good, you just mash the crunch button and you're you're gritty. had my little Gorilla amp. I get out in the yard, I will have to say one day, I'm out there with my guitar. $169, which was a lot of money for me (coughs) at the time. I don't know if you guys remember or know or not, but there was this rock group back in the uh, 80s called Cinderella. Anyway, Cinderella had this thing that they did. If you're watching them on MTV... They take their guitars, you know, they have their strap on. They take their guitars and sling them, and they would sling around like that, or they grab them and sling them, and they would sling back around. It was the coolest thing ever. Of course, when I have my guitar, I got to go. I got to do it. So, of course, I'm not going to do it in the house. But so I go out in the yard, and I have my new guitar, and I'm all excited and everything, and I get ready and I give it a sling and. Of horse, what happens? comes right off my strap. The strap comes undone. It didn't make it around about to right here. The strap comes off and I, the next view I have of my baby is you know, it's like some slow motion like in Braveheart when you see the sword and you're like tumbling through the air and and literally the head of it is like sticks into the ground and you know, I'm devastated. Amazingly, and this is a testament to the Lotus Guitar Company, which is probably completely out of business by now. It didn't tear it up. I had that guitar for years and years. and st- I never did this again, though. But uh, but I played that thing for years and years. <clears throat> and I guess you'd say my first big influence with my guitar, absolutely, <sighs> Rick Springfield. I heard Jesse's Girl and... Didn't listen to Christian music again for a long time after that. I was all into Rick Springfield. Of course, a lot because he had a fantastic first name. Um, You know, being named Rick and all, I thought it's fated that we're we're to listen to one another. So I'm listening to Rick Springfield. I'm doing all this stuff. And then actually, the Lord is already working on me. He's already dealing with me. And one Wednesday night at church, just this Wednesday night Bible study, nothing big, just a handful of us there, probably 20 or 30 people, about this many people there all together. And I pull Rick to the side and say, I think I want to rededicate my life. Because I, I don't know, I don't know if it took back over at Faith Baptist when I went down with Mama I don't, know, I don't know if it took or not. I want to make sure, you know, I'm covered. And, um, you know, the coolest thing, and this is just the way he was. It's not like he said, I think it's a good idea. Why don't we talk about it? Why don't you come by my office? Why don't we set something up and we'll get it in the bulletin next week? No. We went to the baptismal pool right then, that night. And he dunked me right there. Clothes and everything. I went home soaking wet that night. And uh, me and my mom cried. It was uh, another pivotal moment for me. Another pivotal moment. um, Initiated by God putting just the right person in my path at just the right time. Something that it seems like I tried purposely throughout my life to prevent, God was determined to put these people in front of me. <clears throat> uh, finally, as, as I became a man uh, at 18, of course, as soon as I turned 18, um, it's, it, was, it was amazing like this, I suddenly knew everything. I, I knew it all. And my dad became an idiot. He didn't know anything, at least he didn't know anything about me. I moved out of the house uh in a huff. you know we we all had words and said things that were terrible. Of course, that rededication of my life a couple of years back was far forgotten by that time. I moved in with some friends. And a um a threes company kind of set up, so of course, all my guy friends they're saying, "You mean you got an apartment with two girls? really? How do you do that?" And we really were friends. It was strictly a
1: pleplatonic pleb- thing, but The setup that we had um, was designed to party. That's all we did. went to work,
0: which I, I always worked faithfully. But when I
1: went to work, we were we were up all night, every night, seven days a week.
0: I don't even know how we kept going. It's amazing we didn't kill each other or kill somebody probably even more amazing though that we actually just didn't fall out from just being exhausted but we lived a um, a crazy life at the time doing a lot of things that I hope my kids never do I will say in the middle of all that God is still determined to keep bugging. I can remember being in my bedroom. I had, you know, like like you would do when like, like you think it's some great thing when you're 18. Had my whole window in there in my in my room, just a sheet of beer cans stacked up there. Kind of like my my tokens, you know. Got them stacked up there, showing them off. I'm sitting in there. I write this song, and and it was the grace, which, you know, we've sang here, the grace of my redeemer. And I remember when the words of the song are coming to me, like really fast, and I'm putting it down, and I'm thrilled because I like the song, and I'm torn apart inside because I feel so guilty. I know I'm not doing the right thing. And it's almost like God did that just to needle me, you know, just to say,
1: I just want to remind you. I just want to make you think. And it did make me think. It uh, didn't make me stop. It wasn't too long after
0: that, I started moving on to some more mature
1: friends doing bigger and better things. Wasn't too long. We're smoking pot and there's cocaine. There's whatever whatever stupid thing we could do was being done. Was not too long after that. We start stealing things. Why?
0: Because we're stupid. No reason other than that. Because we're stupid. Started stealing. Simple things. Go into a store, grab something, see if you don't get caught. Before long, finally at the the pinnacle of, of my stupidity. We go on this three-day binge of stealing and breaking in and stealing cars off car lots. And when I look back, it just was complete a complete breakdown of everything my life had done. Everything anybody had ever taught me. Thank goodness. Um, before we got killed, we did something stupid. We did get caught. Thank goodness. Who knows what we would have gotten into. I can remember riding down to Florida with one of my new friends. Down there to,
1: to buy an ounce. I remember sitting there in that hotel room thinking we're not going to get out of here. This was this was
0: a dumb idea. And it was,
1: uh, I, I sat
0: there praying silently to God, please don't let us get killed. Stupid enough to pray that prayer. Apparently God saved the day again because we made it back home. I don't know how. Anyway, Athens Clark County catches us stealing copper from this construction site. They don't really know what they got, you know, at the time. We've been we've been like three days of nonstop stealing. We've stolen like four cars, broken into houses, businesses, anything. So we get back to It's not funny, but we get back to the jail. They split us up, of course. They do their thing. I'm in the interrogation room, and I must have been like the officer's dream suspect because by the time he came in there, I had sat there long enough. God had hammered on me long enough. All he had to do was sit down and flip his notepad, and, and I started confessing all my sins.
1: Probably not the smartest thing to do, but I was done. I was done.
0: I knew what I had done. And so somebody probably got a promotion out of that bust that night. They probably had a party afterwards because it it was uh, was a big deal. Uh, We were on, the papers called it a crime spree. Fantastic for my parents and all their friends. Uh, Not just in Clark County, Jackson County, Hall County. We just made our way right across. Got to spend time in all three county jails, too. That was fantastic. Do all that, finally get to court, and I get what they called a lenient sentence. And it was. It sure didn't feel like it at the time, you know. Fines, community service, restitution, all of this stuff, and I had already spent a lot of time in jail, just kind of waiting around doing stuff and all. But uh, they sent me on uh, a vacation down to uh, the Dodge County Correctional Institute, and they had uh, a Prison boot camp down there. supposed to be an intense 90-day thing to scare you straight. Uh, Scared straight is nothing. I don't know if you've seen the scared straight things. This was the absolute, most terrifying, unforgettable 90 days. Uh, I'll never, ever forget it. Ever, ever, ever forget it. Uh, Actually, I guess the guards kind of had leeway. As long as they didn't touch you, they could do anything.
1: They worked us like dogs. They talked to us like nothing.
0: And as it turns out, one of my other friends that I had happily told the police about, uh they he was already on probation. So they went and picked him up. Little did I know he was in that program down there and he only maybe had a couple of weeks left, but so he was a veteran in the boot camp program. I come in down there, I didn't know he was The guards pull me out of bed in the middle of the night, bring me downstairs. I'm standing there in the dark, and who out of the shadows comes walking out but this guy? And I mean, he was was bad business. You know, he's like tattoos all over here, and he's, you know, and I thought, I thought he was going to kill me, for real. Anyway, I could go on about that. That was, it doesn't work on everyone. It worked on me. I left there. I never, I I determined to never, ever, ever, ever do that, anything like that again. I turned, like Merle Haggard said, I turned 21 in prison. I had my 21st birthday down there. And it was pitiful. It was pitiful. But the coolest thing that happened while I was there, I spent my time to pass the time either working or reading my Bible. And I know, you know, prison confessionals, all that stuff, but it worked. It worked for me. God made it perfectly clear enough is enough. And I got it.
1: I got it. For a while. For a while. Came out, rode my bike to work for a year. I wouldn't even finally decide to get back on the right path. I'm doing things.
0: Decide I'm gonna go to get go to get my college education. Go down, talk to the music professor down there and she says, I need you to audition before we can let you in. So I bring my guitar down there. Now she I little did I know she's talking about singing a a proper piece of music. I bring my guitar down there and sing some Restless Heart piece, you know. I had no idea what I was doing. But I was believing that God was going to lead us in the right
1: direction. He gave me a full scholarship on that one goofy country song. What did I do? through all that though. I'm working towards
0: my music career and it's actually it's actually moving along pretty well things are going pretty good Um, I'm playing a lot playing 200 plus days a year which is a lot Um, beginning to get a reputation around as a rising singer-songwriter guy, you know, starting to get comparisons, a lot of comparisons to James Taylor, Athens Banner Herald said, I was headed for the Country Music Hall of Fame, and it seemed like there was no end in sight, it seemed like things were working out.
1: I play a show
0: for I play a show for money
1: for free. It don't matter. I play a show for drinks or for nothing just for tips be fine
0: so I'm drinking every night and I'm playing I'm probably smoking a pack of cigarettes. one off of the other, one off of the other, as I'm pulling. you know. Uh, and I say there's a lot of women in the clubs and honky-tonks and stuff. I wouldn't say they're the best-looking women, but there were always women. There are always drunk, older women looking back, just thinking. Doing all of this, and in the the middle of it, my my light comes in Croatia. And at the time, I mean, all this is going on for me, in the bars and stuff. I'm <clears throat> I'm married. I got kids at home. You know Caleb. He's from my previous marriage. You never met Cameron. He's nineteen. I got kids at home. But I'm not happy. My marriage is on the verge of failing. Something's got to give. Probably on the verge of a nervous breakdown, as it is. Looks like everything's going well. But inside, I'm dying. What do I need? I need God again. He's not leaving me, but I keep determined to turn my back on him, determined to make my own way. And he keeps. Keeps hanging around. He's like this dog that won't go away. I don't mean he's like a dog, but he's like this, you know, he won't go away. It's like, will you leave me alone? No, I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm just gonna hang out here until you need me again. What a good God. What a dare I say, what a humble God. Put himself in that position. Wow. Anyway, I meet Krisha at work. I'm married. She's married. It's a recipe for disaster isn't it? neither of us are happy in our marriages. That's a given. We're coming into this. but we get together. she's beautiful, she's talented, she's very smart. We become friends really quickly at work, become good friends, having lunch and all that and uh, and of course things eventually it becomes more than than friends. <clears throat> we struggled with it a lot. We weren't raised this way. Even though I had done a lot of stuff, this is not this is not our thing. It's not what we do. We need better. But we did did what we do anyway because that seems to be my mo. Thank you, God. Thank you for showing me what the right thing is. Now I'm going to go do what I want to do. That's just the way it seems to be that I am. But we met, we got together. We were talking about leaving our spouses, getting married. In the meanwhile, we're, we're also we're struggling, we're still trying to work things out at home because we think that's the right thing to do, really. In the middle of all this, Crecia and her husband, Get pregnant with Emma. And that's a killer right there. For me. Now what am I going to do? So what do we do? We stay together anyway. Did it anyway. And we made the decision to stay together. And I thought for a long time, this was, this was what God intended for me. This is... This is my soulmate. We're perfect together. And we are. I still feel like that years later. Daryl told me something uh, one day when we got together for lunch and we're talking about things. And I told him, I said, you know, I believe that God put us together. And Daryl said pretty quickly and pretty bluntly, he said, "Uh uh-uh, sorry, it don't work like that. I'm like, really? He said, no, it doesn't work like that. God doesn't come into two existing marriages and break them apart to put something else together. It doesn't work like that. He said, no, he may bless you now. He may bless your decisions to be together and what you do now, but don't fool yourself into thinking that he put you together. Wow, that was harsh. But it's true. It's true. So in the middle of uh, all of our dramatic stuff that we've had going on in our past, and even now, you know, I feel like, I don't know if it's my age, I don't know what it is, but it seems like we've reached this plateau here now. Maybe we can look back and, Trisha and I have a very strong marriage. We have we have a very strong relationship. We were saying just last night, um, we were saying how a lot of our friends don't get it, that um, that we don't have like, she doesn't have like a girls' night off here. I don't go off with the guys and go watch the game or something like that. If we can't do it together, we just... We just usually don't do it. That's just the way we that's the way we roll. It works for us. We like it a lot. And I believe we're making choices now that God can be comfortable honoring. He may not, he may not can honor the way we came together, but now that we are together, uh, if, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. So I believe that God is hopefully honoring uh, what we're doing together with our family and our kids. and
1: I don't know. I think he is. Anyway, I could ramble all day.
0: I guess the point of all of this, and there really doesn't seem to be an end to the story, right? The part two to this story is, though, that God is gracious. That's it, period. I'm stupid. That's part one. God is gracious. That's part two. That may not be true for you. For me, that's it.
1: I know it. God has been unceasingly gracious to me. And... I hesitate to talk about my past. It's embarrassing to me. But I believe I believe the
0: common thing for, for us is whether my past is colorful or simple, yours is colorful or simple or whatever we have a past. We all have some past stuff. And that just doesn't mean what I did. When teenager, what I'm doing, what I did 10 years ago. It means what I did yesterday, what I did this morning for some of us. I know I I got to work on my temper with the kids. That's not honoring God. But I believe that God is moving us through something. He's bringing us to a place where maybe it's okay to look on our past and say, that doesn't bother me anymore. That doesn't bother me. Because I know, God, that you're, even though it's it's kind of a given for me, Jesus died, his sacrifice, his blood, I'm cleansed spiritually, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't mean any disrespect, but, you know, physically, you know, kind of feel like Paul. I have to kill my old man daily because he don't want to go away. But I feel like as we look back on our past that it's okay uh, to have that as long as, and this sounds cliche-ish, but it sounds like something out of a love movie or something like a Hugh Grant line. Anyway, but it's okay to have a past as long as God is in our future, right? That's the key to the whole thing. It's okay to have been dumb before because we've all done it to some degree. As long as we're not sublime that we're not including God in our future. So anyway, I would say today, um, if you think you've got a past, I'm sure you do. Just want to encourage you in case it hasn't hit you yet, that's okay. We're here, and we've come together for a lot of reasons, but whatever circumstances brought you here today, maybe you think, well, I come because I always come. Well, I don't really need anything. I come because I'm supposed to. I believe we're here. For one reason or another, because of God's divine purpose for us. I don't know if that's theologically correct or not, but I believe the Holy Spirit leads us here. And I believe we're together here for a reason, and possibly that reason is for you to tell God, God, I need you to fix me. My life is a series of repairs and fixes. It's okay, he doesn't mind. Our God's a specialist. He specializes in fixing us. Not only in fixing us, but in using us even as we are. Right? He'll take a broken vessel and use it. Let him let him fix you or use you, but do one or the other. Don't be foolish. And walk away and say, "I can handle it. we can't handle it that's a, that is the truth for sure. if you think you can handle it you're dumb you're dumber than I was so I guess as we as we finish this up today, <clears throat> I just want to encourage you and uh whether you come to me or someone here, whether you Get alone once you're in the car or at home or something and talk to God one-on-one. Whatever you do, do, let's do something today. Let's let's make a commitment to God. Let's,
1: Let's be something for Him. Let's be something that
0: He would be proud of in us and we move ahead as we pray and finish this out and um, think about that if um, you know I'm not going to sing just as I am for 20 minutes but if you got something to pray about this uh, there's no limitation come and pray do it golly there's no reason to wait pray if you need to give your heart to the Lord do it today let's do it Daryl's not here. It's okay. We'll tell him about it, right? He doesn't have to be here for you to give your heart to Jesus or to rededicate yourself to Jesus. Anyway, let the Lord lead you as we pray, and um, let him guide you and prompt you. Do whatever it is he's he's got in store for you. Let's pray. Lord, We come today as broken people in some way, (laughs) some form or fashion, small, large, noticeable, almost imperceptible, somewhere in between. We are all, we're all damaged goods even if we've been following you for years, Lord, we know that we need to bring ourselves before you. If we've been following you our whole life, we'd be foolish to say we got it all figured out.
1: We come to you today, Lord, admitting that we're broken
0: and asking for you to have your way with us. I want to ask you to to do whatever it is you want to do in us, Father. If that means fixing us, then fix us, and we're happy for that. If that means using us as we are, then, God, we want to be used and we want to give you the glory for it. Whatever your purpose is, God, that's what we want to do today. God, help us to take whatever has come up in the past and take that and, and remember that you said you throw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Let's forget it and move ahead to you as we move on towards greatness in you. Father, I come humbly to you this morning. ask that you move in us in the power of your Holy Spirit. Make us the people of God that you want us to be. In Jesus' name.